there's a few times in the day we have to switch on. That's when we're on, on the mission. We've got to plan it. We've got to brief. We've got to execute. Once the mission's over and it's debriefed, hey, we're on the couch drinking Coca-Cola and eating Mars bars. You know, we're telling stories. We're letting it all hang out, right? In business, we're this halfway. We're neither our worst selves or our best selves. We're a fabrication of what we perceive is the right person to be. What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. I am your host, Scott Goodrich. Got a great conversation in store for you today. Uh, as we continue to like to add a little international flavor to the mix here, I am joined today by Christian Abu Bukusis. Christian, as you'll be able to tell pretty quickly, originally hails from Sydney, but is now spending his time in Miami with his latest business. Boo, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scotty. As we would say in uh, in Australia, no one has a real name. Uh, it's a pleasure, a pleasure right. being on the show. <laughs> uh, Scotty works, although with the last name Goodrich, I also have a lot of goody that I they get. We'll just shorten the last yeah. name here in the, in the <laughs> States. Every now and that's uh, get that. My son certainly picked up that uh, nickname in, in, in his uh, lifetime awesome. as well. So we carry, carry that one around. But it's great to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of, sort of where you are with, with this business that, that you've taken on? I know you had some great success with, with, with Afterburner and how this. Just love to get that background from you, let you and your awards tell us a little bit about where you are right now. And we'll dig into your journey and, and, and how you got to be where today sitting there in Miami. Yeah, look, it's a good question. And uh, to, I guess, align to the title of the, of the podcast, uh, we're here rebuilding a brand that that took a bit of a battering during during COVID. Uh, a founder, CEO type of business that um, is very impressive, very unique product offering. Uh, it's respects that every business needs a system, you know, but but uh, but it just needs a bit of TLC. Uh, for me, that's yeah. my that's my bag. I mean, I I'm a grow company guy. Like I. I was a fighter pilot, then I, I had to leave because I had a medical problem. And then I, I just moved in a business, not never really intentionally into business, more accidentally. And, uh, right. you know, and the first business just went ballistic. And, uh, you know, we, we ended up with 1,600 staff after three years. And wow. the downside of growth, right? It just grew so quick. Yeah. Payroll became so big. It was spread throughout the Middle East. It was a multinational company from the outset. And uh, we, we ended up selling that after four years because it was just getting a bit unwieldy. Um, and then you know, moved into uh, property development, built a 17-story built a, uh, hotel using a technique that had never been used before anywhere in the world, which is called volumetric prefabricated modular construction, uh, abbreviated to Lego. Uh, so basically big... <laughs> 17 story Lego building. I this 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 accidental entrepreneur story we're gonna to have to get into a little bit. I'll let you let you continue on, but we're coming back to accidental entrepreneur to, to start with build something. Yeah, so, so that was let's keep rolling. There's a there's a company called Mode Module Development, and then uh, I, I bought a magazine that was that was going out of business, which was an aviation magazine. The magazine I read as a kid, the posters I put up on the wall. Uh I, I kind of bought that, converted it to a digital business, sold it. Uh and then yeah, about maybe nine years ago, I, I came across this company called Afterburner. A friend of mine in Australia, fighter pilot, was was doing it. I always thought it was a bit funny, a bit weird to, to what, what could fighter pilots possibly offer business. And then when I watched the, right. the first keynote, I went, oh, wow, you actually, 
all that fighter pilot stuff is what I've been using in my business as a as a business right. intuitively, right? Just kind of it's the training that you have, right? So it's a, it's a, it becomes of your yeah, nature, and almost. I and I yeah. and I always associated fighter pilots with flying. What I didn't associate was fighter pilots with thinking, and and yeah. and the dynamic thought model and cognitive uh, uh, myth, the cognitive models that we have uh, that allow us to uh, be pretty exceptional at getting things done. Um, and then, so, so I, was, I was running that. It was always a bit of a side hustle. Had a lot of other things going on. Uh, and yeah, just late, late last year, I was, I was talking to the, the founder of the business and you know, he got to a point in his life where he'd done very well. The business was well known, you know, as, as, as we all do eventually yep. as a business owner, you've got to exit, right? And yeah. uh, you know, I, me and another person inside the company put in an offer and, and that was it. We, we acquired the business. Uh, and now, yeah, the, the, the aim is, yeah, I guess turning it from a from a fairly you know analog pre digital type of business into a fully digital enabled digital marketing focused uh, entity, which is you know, I did that I did that with my publishing business. Learned a hell of a lot about how social media and content create works. Right. And the best the best place to learn about the power of content creation is to own a publishing business, right? Um, sure. Because a couple of things you learn: one, uh, even though you, you're told to produce a lot of content and it goes well, and and two, I'll tell you right now, you can produce a lot of content in it for not to go well. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, quality, quantity is part of the game, but quality is, yeah. is a more important part of the game. Uh, and, and then, you know, I'm nudging 50 uh, and probably wasn't at a point in my life where I really felt like doing this again. Uh, but I just realized, like, you know, I wanted to be a pilot when I was five years old. Here I am, 50, you know, now the CEO and... Uh, owner of a company that you know uses everything I've learned from the age of five, really, because I was I was going to be a fighter pilot from the age of five. I didn't want to be. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. I read that I read that in your background and, and saw that. And 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 where did that come from? I mean, it, it's I mean, and you made it happen, which is which is fantastic. And that, I guess is you might still be doing it if it went for yeah for, for a medical I'm, issue. So so where did where did that come? From? That's it's 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 really cool to to kind of. A lot of kids say, I'm going to be an astronaut, I'm going to be this. And then you actually became the thing you wanted to be as a kid, which is, uh, it's, I think there's, that's pretty unique. Yeah, I was just doing a podcast just before t- talking with someone who's, uh, who uses the 80s as a metaphor for leadership. And, and we were talking about how in the 80s, there was a bit more of a romantic era, you know, but it was also the era where technology started to, to really make an impression on society. And I think, yeah, why did I want to be a fighter pilot? I, I went to an air show. I saw a bunch of planes flying around. I heard the noise, the smells, uh, m- maybe at an age where the neuroplasticity is, <laughs> is extra, <laughs> extra elastic. And uh, making an imprint on you right there. I was getting that imprint right on. Yeah. And, and, and I left yeah. and, that, and I was, that was it. I was just I was going to be one of those guys that flew fighter jets. Uh, and, yeah. you know, uh, I was very lucky, I guess, because a lot of people never quite have that moment. Uh, and I took it for granted, obviously, like everything we get in life without effort. And but now I look back on it, I, I just see how powerful that belief is. And I and over philosophy around how you perform in life is is about what you believe, not what you do. And that that belief st- structure drove everything I did when I wasn't doing well at school. Like you know, I worked harder when I wanted to be in the first team of or the first grade team of any sport. It drove me to do extra training. It drove me to put in the extra hours, you know. And, and and a couple of years ago, I found out I had 
you know, hypertentive ADHD, which I explains an awful lot about my life. But at the time, as a as a school kid, you know, I just I just got in trouble for being disruptive and 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 lacking attention, right? Uh, but again, yeah. because I because of the, the the belief to be a fighter pilot, because that was my north star, I put in the extra yards and managed to mitigate. But every time I lost my focus, every time I I lost that little bit of drive, my marks immediately dropped. So so and I and I did my last I repeated year twelve. So my last year of school in Australia, you can go back and do it again. Uh, and, right. and I did it again, and I I didn't do that much better. I did well well enough to get into university, um, but. I didn't want to go to university. So, so, so through that process, uh, and we finished school younger in Australia. We finished at 17, not, okay. not 18. So I, you know, I had plenty in the tank to go back to school. But you know, what, what the Air Force saw when I went through the application process was a, a, a determined, very focused young man who was smart enough you know, to, and, and had half a brain. Uh, and you know, I was recruited on my, on my desire, not really any, anything else. And then when I went through that process, again, there were a couple of things where really the, the, the wheels could have fallen off. I, I was already short-sighted before I joined, which was a no-no. Right? Uh, right. But when I had my eye test, you know, I was so passionate about being a fighter pilot, the, the ophthalmologist just marked me up. It, it, you know, he, he didn't want to take my... He didn't want to... He didn't want to take the dream away. Wow. Correct. It's, it's remarkable. So, yeah. But, but you remarkable. think of that for a minute. How many people put the dream in front... When you're about... Something's about to be taken off you, how many times do you put the dream on them and say... He's right now. You've got two options. One is to mark up some kid you don't even know and say he's short-sighted. Two, you can destroy this eighteen-year-old's dream right now. You know, and that's got a lot of sway. And and I was sure. signed up. Yeah. You know, and then I then I was having some uh, some other medical issues which weren't really allowed to be in the air force if you had them. And again, that doctor could see my passion and was like, well, you know, in aviation, I'll tell you right now. Most pilots in aviation get treated outside the system because the aviation system is, and it's, t- it's, it's not good. It's got a little bit better, but most of, most of our pilots have something that they don't tell someone about. Um, and, and often you'll be okay. It won't matter. But if you just get the one wrong medical person in, in, in the system, you're done you're, and, you, and you lose your medical. Right. But, but again, you know, but, but that passion to the, the, for the doctor to see that and, and, and help me out. And then in my final interview, I didn't quite make the mark in terms of, in terms of my mathematics. It was like a six point nine out of seven. You needed to get seven. I, I, it was an arbitrary scoring right. system. I can't can't remember exactly, but this is you know roughly what it was. And you know, at, at the end of that, this is the last thing you do, right? This is the end of one year application process, a barrage of testing. It is the final interview. And in that interview, the the pilot, there's one pilot on there, said to me, "Look, you know, you only got six point nine out of seven. Um, you know, re- really, we can't put you put you through with that. And and I got quite upset. I'm like, look, this is just everything I've ever wanted. You know, everything else is great. And he said, look, I tell you what. And he gave me this question, and he said, you know, if a if a caribou, this type of aircraft, was flying sixty knots and had to go two miles, or an F one eleven was doing five hundred and forty knots and had to go two miles, which airplane gets there first? And I said, well. Tough question. Major, major grind on that one. Yeah, really yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, one eleven. He goes, look, you know, you've got enough math to be a fighter pilot, uh, to be a, not a fighter pilot, but to be a pilot, and and uh, right. mark me up to seven, and, and the rest, the rest, as they say, is history. So there's a couple things there, just just to, to grab one, the the power of, of that strength and belief 
of that vision, and, and I'm sure we'll get there. But it's, it's, it had to have served you well as you as you built some of these companies. You know, when, when we spend time talking to to companies about that and the power, you called it the North Star. But you got to know where you're going, right? And you're doing everything that it takes to make that happen. You've got to feel where you're going. To know is your cognitive brain to feel okay. your essence. Feel, yeah, it's got to inspire something inside you, right? To, to yeah. get there, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's got to inject. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's got to light that. So yeah, great, great turn of phrase there. Great turn of wording is to feel that this is that this is what you're all about, and then you can line up all that energy in it. And it when you get all that energy and motion going in the same direction, it is amazing what can happen. Right, you're actually influencing others to be part of that energy that you've got going towards your vision, your north star, to your thing. You're, you're bringing them along, and that pays off in companies as well. We see it time and again, right? It, it pays off in companies as well. You get all that energy going in that same direction and people working with the flow of energy as, as opposed to against it. That's where you get some, some amazing things happening. Yeah. And, you, you know, whether you're, you're an entrepreneur or you're growing your business, if you're not in a steady state, there is, it's going to be painful uh, because, because growth, you know, growing pains as, a, as, a, as humans, when we get older, we, 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 things don't grow evenly, right? Your right leg grows a bit faster than your left leg and all of a sudden you got sore hit. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so your business is going to be like that um, as well. And certainly for me. And the thing is, you know, when, I, when, when Tom and I, best, my best mate, started our first business and we had nothing, right? Yeah. It was just as hard as when the company was, was doing hundreds of millions. There was no difference. We didn't, we didn't notice that there was that much more money. It didn't feel like yeah. there was that much more money. It didn't, it didn't feel, it was just, and in 17 years of business, it's always felt the same. It doesn't matter what the business is, it doesn't matter how passionate right. I am about it. It always feels the same. And and I think that the once you get to the point where you realize that and, and the joy is in the journey, the joy is in the the joys in the daily problem solving, it's not the destination. Uh you're and that's that's hard to be that person. Because the world really the world yeah, it's really challenging. Yeah. yeah. The the world feeds the dopamine hit that doesn't feed the effort. So, you know, Carol Dweck's book, Mindsight, you know, uh, Mindset talks about, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the rewarding of the effort. It's the investment in the effort that is a growth mindset, not the want or, or the desire. It, it's- well, well, you're interesting that way because you, you're taking that from the, the, the day-to-day work and oftentimes folks with big ideas, the ones that are putting out there, the, the, the higher level thought and, and try to create that North Star for anyone else that's going to join them on the ride that sometimes fail in that day-to-day, right? That's not a comfortable spot for them. Oh, they do. It's they, the rare person. They, yeah, it's the rare person that can do both effectively, but but typically you don't find that that what sounds like you've got a little bit of both in there. You're willing to to do that day-to-day execution, gain the traction in the business while still keeping your eye on the longer-term prize. I, I think that's a unique ability. I, I was trained to be that way. That's not me. Okay. That the air force, okay. the air force trained me in the what we call the SLJs, the shitty little jobs. It trained me Damn. in the incremental process of success, uh, because Ooh. if I didn't, if I didn't follow that bouncing ball, uh, I wouldn't have become a fighter pilot. And you know, it takes a long time to form a habit, and and it's a two year yeah. process to become a fighter pilot. So so you, everything changes in fighter pilot training, and most fighter pilots don't realize this. I didn't realize it, but when I now look at how the brain works, and I look at how that, that neuroplasticity and, and, and cognitive learning kind of works inside the mind and how the subconscious, conscious, and, and, and conscious come together. What you realize is 
they strip you down. So, so they, they break you down. They, they, they homogenize you. So you're kind of all the same. Yep. They pull, they strip away the version of you that you were before you joined. And then they rebuild you again. And they, and they rebuild you into this very competent human being uh, who's very good at managing emotion, who's very good at being analytical, uh, but at the same time knows how to have fun, right? It's not, it's not yeah. a particularly, a, it's definitely not a boring place to be. And I think, yeah. To me, I needed that training because one of the challenges with creative people, and again, I've got a philosophy and it's, I, I hate generalizations, but I do think entrepreneurs and, 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 I, and, I, and I do why so many of them fail is because they, they do have ADHD tendencies. There is a, a, a default mode, dormant mode network, task positive network disconnect where the big ideas come free, free and easy, but the focus is, is, is kind of hard. So that's that's where you, yeah. but that's why you partner up with them. yeah. That's why you do have to. But this is you're speaking my language, my friend. Right, you're speaking my language because this is what we see time and again. You got to have both sides of that coin there. So we call uh, the language that we use in, in the work that I do is is around having it for visionaries that this idea first that you're talking about maybe the ADHD but is always ready for the next big idea. We just call his or her counterpart the integrator. But this is the person that keeps everything going forward, keeps things on the rails. Um, is the glue in an organization and is the governor, right? The one that kind of can slow down that visionary when that visionary is is going too fast for the rest of the organization to, to stay up with. And when those two work together, great things can happen. But it, it's when those two, when there's one of those sides is missing is where, where trouble can happen. Yeah, that's hard. You know, like Simon Ford. Yeah. What I've learned about ADHD is it's so hard to not do it. You're aware of it. You know what you're doing. You're talking to the team. You're, you're apologizing for putting more like, and this is the next step, guys. And they're like, but we're at the current step. And it's like, yes, but we, when the current step's over, we've got to be ready for the next step. You know, and that's, that's right. part of pilot thinking. We call it concurrent activity, not, not, okay. not multiple activities or conflicting, but concurrent well, activities. So the next, the next step of the, of the mission is ready to go when, the, when this one's after. But, and that's very different thinking, right? But, but where people get afraid of that is they're like, oh, you want me to drop this and do that, but I haven't finished this. That's the, the the binary thinking that that is norm that is hum, humanity, right? Whereas yeah. whereas the it's it's like no no what I want you to do is finish that and be prepared for this. And it's a different it's a different mindset. What I'm always surprised by and I've learned over because I know how my fighter pilot friends think. I know how we approach life, and a lot of them get frustrated. You know that people don't think like fighter pilots, and 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 you know my philosophy is hey, they didn't. You've got done fifteen million bucks worth of training. You know you. You've been in this very small community of people, like, <laughs> yes, like, right. like, like, cut everyone some slack, guys. You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah you know. But but it is frustrating because you do feel like you, everything you do is faster. Not not because you are faster, because you've been trained faster, and you have to be. Like, yeah. just think about it. Think about the speed we operate. Yeah. So 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 the challenge with that is not getting too far ahead, um, and and that's a visionary issue. That's a that's an entrepreneur. Everyone's. Everyone who has a tech startup is already up at the end here, where I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a billion dollar unicorn, uh, not, yeah, you know, not the bit which is, hey, have you done your MVP? That, that how you're gonna get from today to tomorrow to the next day along the way, and, and I think you know the, the strong communication you're referring to and acknowledging that and, and being able to lay that out for the rest of the organization is a way to overcome that. But it, but if that's not there. That then the the folks that are trying to keep up with you are, are bouncing around and they are starting task stopping task starting task stopping because they just are trying to keep up with where that that mindset is and, and that that thinking of that visionary is already down the line they they actually cannot keep up 
at that same pace. If they're not wired that way, they don't they don't have that there. It can create massive problems for a company trying to grow because so because someone- it. It can feel disjointed. Probably the most insightful thing I, I heard someone say about execution in a big in a business was someone that was running a three billion dollar tech uh, part of a of a major bank, and they'd been working on something for three years, and and we bought some fighter pilot mindset in there, and we we started to problem solve, and he said, you know, Boo, it's like we didn't even think before we did this, and that is the, the problem. That's the challenge. That is, it, it, with entrepreneurs, we're not thinking, we're reacting because we don't have anything. We don't have any resources. Yeah. We don't have systems. We don't have any of this stuff. So, so we just deal what we perceive is the thing in front of us that's most important. Now, 95% of our decisions are made through perception, not reality. So the, the faster an entrepreneur can connect reality to perception, the more successful you'll be. And that's what fighter pilots call iterative thinking, thinking in circles. Because the only way you grow is to, is to learn quickly. And, and and typically for an entrepreneur, that's generally the break fix type of learning where that didn't work and that didn't work because you're always doing something kind of new, right? It's well, you're facing a lot of stuff every day, right? right? And that's exactly you know, you're you're spot on with what what you're saying there. We we just like to say that, that you're just acting with a little bit of intuition, which has served you well over the past. A little emotion, you've got like you said a break fix, a little gut reaction, and if you actually took a moment to take a look at the the data and, and run with that intention intentionality. At the forefront, and probably but the problem is right, on those things. Is it break fix is great, but if you keep breaking the wrong things and fixing the wrong things, sure, that, and that's that's where entrepreneurs get a bit lost. And they're like, I'm doing everything you yeah. say. I'm I'm running fast. I'm trying things. It's failing. And it's like, yeah, but you're trying the wrong things, and yet it. And there's probably someone that you could spend an hour with that will stop you making ten mistakes you don't actually need to make. Uh, and then the flip side of it. All at the end of the day is, even if it's new, even if it's something amazing and the product is going to become a billion-dollar unicorn, you've got to come from a place of structure to get there. Yeah. You, 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 cannot, you cannot be an amazing fighter pilot unless you know 427 individual checklist items off by heart. You know exactly which page of the checklist to go where your engine catches fire. You know the difference between a, a J10 and a F5 in terms of a threat. You, the basics, you just got to have because with the with the basics we can become creative. So so I, I, yeah. I often talk to entrepreneurs say if you're a pilot and I put you in a plane, do you know how to fly the plane, or do you think just because you're an entrepreneur you know how to fly a business? And that you know it's the basics, it's the basics that deliver the the the, the incredible. Even you know if you look at your Steve Jobs, you look at um, all all of the uh, remarkable entrepreneurs, they were systems guys. They they had an engineering or a systems based background. They weren't salesmen. They didn't have that deep injured piece. Yeah, you know, for and at that level, you're you're talking. You get a little bit of a of a unicorn there, where they have both these things in equal balance. Hey, Blue, I want to go back just a little bit. I, I mean, I I think the learning there, just in how you're taking what what you applied as a fighter pilot in, into businesses, is just is awesome. But that first business you said it, it took off beyond your beyond even what you thought was out there. Just let's just talk about that first business. So, unfortunately, the the fighter pilot. World comes to an end, end for you, and it, it, it does at any time. But it came to an end for you, and you decided to to, to join a business. Let's just talk about that. Like, talk, walk me through that decision making. How did you How did you find your way into that? It was, was it accidental? Was it on purpose? Like, what, well, what went on think, there with that first business? You know, I think uh, again, I didn't know at the time, but looking back, is is when you have you know ADHD, your your 
you don't seek out things that are routine and boring, right? So the, I, so for me, it was I had two options. One, I could stay in the Air Force and fly like Air Force One, right, and fly the Prime Minister around, but that would involve you know living in the city where the capital, which is not, you don't really want to live there, or be an airline pilot. Well, I was di- I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, so um, that was about when I was about twenty nine, and when I left, I was about thirty. Okay. Uh, so, or the other one was an airline pilot. I'm like, well, that's that's me mapped out thirty to sixty five. Like my next thirty five years, I'm gonna I'm gonna be ten years as second officer, ten years as the first officer, and five years as captain, and that's it. I'm gonna be away. That, yeah. I'm gonna be away half my life. At that time, which was you know two thousand four, two thousand, this whole concept of a side hustle didn't exist back then. You couldn't just set up Shopify and away you go. Or or do something like that, right? You had to have a job, right? You know, so so I just I think you've just got to do the 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 follow the path of least, least resistance. And I was in the military, and I knew nothing about business, so I went to Afghanistan. I went to a, a war torn country because that was my skill set, <laughs> not on the ground, but but I knew right. well. At the end of the day, if you go to a country where pretty much everything's been smashed down, yeah, they're going to be pretty much happy to take anyone as long as you're helpful. Uh, and Tom and I, that's what we did. We just, we just went and, and we were helpful. And when people say, what did you do? What was your business? We flip that around and we say, well, we just did what needed to be done. We would go to the bars. We would go to the, to the restaurants. We would have a few beers with people. And people would ask us, hey, what do you guys do? And we'd say, oh, you know, we're, we're CTG Global. Yeah, I can probably explain it better if, if I know what you do. And they would say, oh, because, you know, everyone loves to talk about it. So this is, this is my fail-safe sales methodology, right? Um, yeah. It's not even in a book. Uh, you just go, okay, so it's not what you do. And they'd explain what they did. And that would either be a United Nations uh, project uh, office. They'd be delivering projects. They'd, they'd be a big US-based contractor building a road or schools or clinics or building some hospital infrastructure. They would, they would be doing something big usually, right? And they'd right. talk about themselves. They'd completely forget about what you know, what we were there for. But but we held the conversation a very structured way, and, and the way we we held it was the same way fighter pilots debrief, the same way we learn. And we would say, "What was your objective? So what do you do? Uh, and what does good look like? How do you know you've had a good day?" Uh, the second question we'd ask is, "How's that going? Are you, are you there yet?" And and as you would know, and everyone knows in sales, no one ever sits there and says, "I'm doing a terrible job at my job." Uh, so, so everyone would say, hey, you know what, I'm, uh, oh, it's great. We're doing a really great job. But we knew it was tough there. We knew everyone was struggling. And we would say, man, you guys are so lucky. You know, we were talking to you know, your competitor the other day. Man, they are really struggling with manpower. They are really struggling getting on time frame. And they go, yeah, man, it's hard. <laughs> I'll be honest, we're having the same problem. And you'd be like, ah, okay. That, that would be it. You'd, you'd talk about that. You'd talk about how hard it is in Afghanistan. Uh, and then we so, and then we would say, what's the cause of that? Like, what's the reason that it's so hard for you? They'd be like, man, this sounds super tough. What, what's one thing though? What, what, what's the reason it's so hard? Like, man, we cannot get good quality civil engineers. We cannot get good quality security staff. We cannot get, we cannot get, you know, we cannot get our hands yeah. on an armored vehicle. And we'd go, oh, cool, man, that's, that's tough, right? And then we'd go away and we'd leave it at that. Right, we go away. We, we'd have a chat. We'd, we'd get together. We'd talk about the conversation. Me and Tom, my best friend, was just two of us. Right, that was it. There's only two of us. That, that was our whole business. Uh, and then half an hour later, we'd go back and we go, "Hey, Mike, how are you, man? Hey, good guys." And, we, and we'd be talking. They'd be like, "Hey, 
forgot to ask what you guys did. And we would say, oh, yeah, we're, we're in the HR business. In fact, we, we recruit civil engineers for road building projects. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? And you're like, <laughs> then we'd be like, yeah, 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 we do. Oh, and, and we also provide security teams for the engineers because, yeah, we know that's really, t- I'm like, hey, seriously, you provide security teams and civil engineers in Afghanistan? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, dude, can you guys flick us a proposal? So we'd quickly, we'd go home, we'd spend the next day trying to figure out, you know, what is a civil engineer? We would uh, get on the phones, we, we would ring civil engineering companies in, in, in India, in Nepal, uh, and we would say, hey, look, we've got a road building project. We need three people. And anyway, long story short was every time we had this conversation, we'd always find out what the problems were. We'd spend 24 hours. We'd find a solution. We'd write a proposal. We'd send it back. We'd win work a week later. And we ended up doing everything. We, had, we helped build the first ambulance service, the first medical, private medical clinics. Uh, we, had, we, we set up Afghanistan's first mortuary. We were in the, in the business of getting um, people who passed away in Afghanistan back home to their loved ones. We were doing monitoring of building projects. So CTG Global is now one of the world's biggest humanitarian projects. And, and we started that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm struggling to, to find the right way to, to get there because the, the whole idea spun from how do, you, how do you serve without knowing what you were serving, right? It was, that's what, what it was spinning from is to try to, it was really about serving an underserved marketplace as much as anything. Well, it's just common sense, right? Like, right. well, common sense, but I, you know, it's obviously fairly unique to, to go out there. So, what common sense for you? But that—that's a pretty big bet to make on yourself that you're going to go in there and build these things that didn't exist, that you didn't have, that you're bringing to bear, right? You, you're figuring it out on the fly, so to speak. Yeah, but that's business, right? You got to, yeah. you got to, you got to, you've got to. Everything needs doing. Look around, you know, a building needs painting, a, a floor needs cleaning, uh, a window needs washing. There's always something, all, you, all people want to know is what you say and what you do is very close together. And, and when, you're, when your say-do gap is very close, that's, that's where trust blossoms and that's where referrals come from. Right. So, so a, big part of, a big part of that and, and what I learned as a fighter pilot was, is, is always set an expectation that can be met. Uh, yeah. and, and the better you understand a problem, the more questions you ask, the better you can benchmark that expectation. Because today... And I think a lot, of, a lot of the reasons why we struggle and, and we, there's a lot of unhappiness is there's an expectation that everything works all the time and it's everywhere, uh, the convenient society that we live in. And therefore, when it doesn't work, we get upset. We're, we're designed to have fight, flight, or, or, or freeze response you know, when, we, when we get attacked back in our pre-agrarian days. You know, now, it gets triggered in traffic. It gets triggered if someone eats your lunch out of the work fridge by accident. You know, the, the primal triggers that we have don't go away. What triggers them has become far more banal, uh, and and, right. and truly, I think truly profound, successful people are very good at managing at managing that of having a, having a switch that goes. Hang on a tick, I've just gone into a primal mindset here. I'm getting angry for for a reason I cannot explain. In, look, and, and I I learned I, I had PTSD after after being in Afghanistan for a while. I am and, sure, and and through um. Not PTSD like depression, PTSD like I was just a hardcore prick. Um, and what? Well, I mean, you're getting stuff done in a tough place to get stuff done. So I'm yeah, sure I, did, I didn't need to come back to, to, to Sydney and yeah. have conversations around what color leather seats on a BMW are important and the ins and outs of which which vegan cafe serves has better alfalfa sprouts. You know what I mean? And and just what the level of complaining that you would constantly hear about things that just were were 
from from a from a third world country irrelevant. That's not the Western world's fault. That that's my fault for not being able to understand the difference. Sort of going through a process of of learning to to accept it, but but that process was something called cognitive behavioral therapy, where you're you have a very simple process of rationalizing emotion. And and then what I what I realized was once I mean, the Air Force taught us to do that on a very discrete day by day basis. But what I didn't realize was what I learned in cognitive behavioral therapy on a mission set could actually, the same technique works on a life set and because it's the same thing. It's, 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 what am I trying, yeah. what am I trying to achieve? Why am I so, why I'm angry? Why am I angry? What can I do about it? What can I control to stop feeling this way? Yeah. And when you start, there's eight steps. And if you follow these eight steps, whatever you want, you will get. And I can almost guarantee it. And I know when people say it's a guarantee, yada, yada. But this is coming from a community where, where the, the established success rate is 98%, right? And, and why do we know that? Because there's not airplanes smashed outside our houses here. Uh, Whenever whatever we see them on the TV or there's conflict, no one, everyone always comes home and, and we absolutely kick ass, right? So, so this is coming from a community where 98% is the benchmark. So, so if you apply this same logic outside of that environment to anything else, the cognitive model works. So the first four steps mm. are plan, brief, execute, debrief. Okay. So, so if, you, if, you, if you plan today, this week, this next two weeks, this month, this quarter, this year, all of those plans will line up. And there's a discipline, there's a discipline six steps you go through there. A communication, if you're brief, if you, if you understand that less is more. If you are brief in the way that you talk and you only speak wisdom, not information, and you make sure that it's what's understood, not what's said, then you will have far better engagement with the people around you. Uh, execution is about focus and ensuring that we, we're not distracted. And the reason we create the plan is to give us our execution model. We know, we know what we're going to do. Uh, now, obviously, every now and again, that doesn't work. We don't execute very well. Things go wrong. And that's what the debrief for. So the debrief is when we ask ourselves, hey, let's sit down and be super honest about our own performance there. And that opens up the next four steps. And, and that's the four steps of debriefing, which is, which is uh, what we call orca, the killer whale, right? The, or the orca is one of the most intelligent mammals in the animal kingdom. And, and debriefing is one of the most intelligent and simple systems you can use to drive growth and performance. And, and orca just stands for objective result cause action. So what, what did I set out to achieve? Uh, what actually happened? Why did that happen? And what can I do about it right now? Not tomorrow, not next week, not, not change my goal, do something. And, and it's that contextualized action, not just action for the sake of action, not just putting something off. And, and the action being small enough to do immediately is what drives growth. Because if you learn a lesson and apply it each and every day, 365 days a year, and you, you, you apply compound mathematics compounding interest on that one percent technically you're 900 percent more knowledgeable by the end of the year if you remember it and the way that we remember our lessons is by applying them which is why the the, the retrospective movement why the whole hey lessons learned movement doesn't work because what we're not saying when we say lessons learned what we're really saying is lessons recorded we recorded a lesson but we didn't actually learn from it because we're doing it again tomorrow. We forgot to do something. Uh, and that's the nuance of fighter pilots. Now, we are going to next level thinking here because you have to. Next level thinking is the sort of thinking you have to have when you're moving at 1,200 miles per hour, uh, when you 
kill yourself or other people for making a mistake. And you're operating a machine that is just beyond the realms of human control, where the machine is designed to be unstable. It's deliberately designed to go like that to that quickly because that's how you get the nose on the bat. So if you rest as a fighter pilot, if you stop thinking, you will have an accident. Completely different to the rest of the world where you can just sit and watch TV and nothing's going to go wrong. Nothing. Yeah, your building isn't going to fling itself out onto the ground and kill you. So that's that's why the cognitive model's different. Now, because of, because of the biases we have as human beings, we're unable to see that, right? We, we always think our world and our way of thinking is the best way. Because if it wasn't, what have I been doing with my life for the last 40 years? So, so I accept that when we talk about it as fighter pilots, people go, right, it works for fighter pilots, doesn't work for you. Despite the fact there's thousands of fighter pilots that have successfully owned and operated businesses with zero experience in business and just applied this learning model. Because as Ted Lasso says, you know, just, just stay curious. And, and it's curiosity underpinned by action that drives growth. And I think that's, these are these little nuances. People can say, hey, I read lots of books. I'm very curious. I'm always learning. But, uh, but what are you actually applying? And it's the, it's the contextual action, the contextual doing that I don't even like to call it transformational because transformation means I'm a caterpillar, now I'm a butterfly. That's the end. It's, it's evolutionary because whilst you're alive- Sure, incremental. Yeah. yeah. Until you kick the bucket, that's the only time it ends. It's, it, it's always in play. Fascinating stuff. I mean, just just so much to, to to try to digest there, but I I do love it, and it really does line up with a lot of things that that we talk a little bit different language, but the model that you're talking about it and how you have to reinforce it just really really hits home and, and resonates with with how we try to work with our clients and, and and getting them to to stay on task and realize what are those things that are actually moving the needle for them. But let's just talk briefly about afterward. Let's see, like you said, you you made this move. You're trying to resurrect a brand that was hit hard by, by COVID and, and build it back up there. And you've obviously made a pretty significant move within your personal world to, to make that happen. So just tell me where you are with Afterburner right now. What, what's next for it? Uh, let, let's just get an update on, on, the, on the current world of boom. Yeah, well, step one is do what you believe, right? So I believe, take Afterburner out of it. I believe the fighter pilot mindset and way, way of working is almost, almost perfect. It's, 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 it's virtually bulletproof. So stack Afterburner on top of that, which is a distribution channel for the intellectual property through seminars, workshops, coaching, but also unlocking fighter pilots who, who have the mindset of this works for me as a fighter pilot, but how does it work in business? So when you bring a business together and a fighter pilot together, both of whom are very curious about each other, you get this incredible friction. And, and whilst thinking like a fighter pilot by itself for you as an individual is very powerful, it's exponentially powerful when we deploy the thought model across teams. So a lot of development happens in the business world around individuals. There's business communities, business groups, the owner, the founder, the operator. They, they embark on quite a significant personal development. And I was in, I was deliver after better programs in Australia to these big business communities. And, and when I was in there, I'm, one of the challenges was there was around leadership and getting, you know, if only my team did this and if only they did that, and my team, my team, my team. So we would run programs and we'd say, okay, well, bring your team. Let's work. We'll come in. We're going to embed in your company. We're going to work with you. And within two days, people would start to realize, oh my gosh, it's not my team. It's me. It's <laughs> always. That's oh, so true. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> you know, my, my yeah. team's not doing what I'm telling them to do because I'm telling them what to do. I'm not letting them figure it out. I'm not, I'm not guiding them. I'm being direct. 
And and there's all these little and and particularly founders, particularly founder CEOs, and partic- people that are that are that are in the business. They've been there for ten or twenty years, and and they feel that the only reason it works is because of them. And to get them to the point where it's like, in in ninety days, we can show you that you could have, sit on a beach forever, and this company will work probably better than it does today. And that's, you know, that's a big statement. Again, another big statement to make. And of course, a founder yeah. and, all, and all the nuances. One of the tests we run is, is, is we put a bunch of businesses in a room, sort of the, the leadership teams. We might have teams of six to 10. And we'll take the leader out of the groups and swap them around. So we'll have a leader from one company now go and be the CEO of another company for half a day. And the, what the point is there is to say, can that team articulate the business, how it works, and support this CEO, despite the fact they don't know anything about the business that they're in. We've had construction company CEOs be the CEO of a hairdressing business, for example. And every one of them, when the CEOs, we got them, we got them uh, outside in their own little quorum as we reflected on the event, every one of the CEOs said to each other, you've got an amazing team. You've got an amazing team. You're, you're so lucky. And, and then you go, hang on a minute. All of you are saying, you're all so lucky because you've all got a great team. Why is it when you go back, all of a sudden you're not lucky? And it was like interesting. And, yeah. and it was like, no one, not one person said you've got a bad team. Not one person said that. And there's a couple of things that go on. Number one, when you swap a boss, everyone's on their best behavior. Everyone shows up, right? And they're their best selves. So the first lesson is, why don't you do that? And and you can't be that best version of yourself all the time. You can be half an hour. So one of the things like, like just like a fighter pilot. There's a few times in the day we have to switch on. That's when we're on, on the mission. We've got to plan it. We've got to brief. We've got to execute them. Once the mission's over and it's debriefed, hey, we're on the couch drinking Coca-Cola and eating Mars bars. You know, we're telling stories. We're, we're letting it all hang out, right? We're, whereas we, we're in business, we're this halfway. We're neither our worst selves or our best selves. We're a, we're, we're a fabrication of what we perceive is the right person to be. Right? And then that becomes culture, yeah? We, we pretend yeah. to be the version we perceive the culture of the organization. So, so we help them understand how to, how to be your best self, how to have a break, create a, a execution rhythm in your business where there's touch point, get, get rid of 30 meetings, 30 hours of meetings a week, cut it down to 12. But every one of those 12 meetings, you guys show up and you are the best version of yourself. And, and you know, we, we coach them, we spend 90 days there. Uh, so, sometimes we spend, if it's an enterprise, we'll, we'll be there for years. Um, some, some companies we've been with for 16 years. Why? Because they're so gr- fast and they're growing, you know. But part of Afterburner is, goes back to the start of our whole story here, which is belief. You won't think differently and you won't try something new inside your organization unless you believe it's a good idea. So, so when we have a bunch of guys and girls in their flying suits that are telling you, hey, if you think this way, and this is how fighter pilots think, uh, you, you're going to do really well and be very successful. Most people say, well, okay, I'll take that at face value because I'm pretty sure you, you, you as a team know what you're doing. And I'm pretty sure that you got whatever you say and how you did work. If you've done it in business for 25 years and you've, had, you've seen 300% growth in a year from companies, I'm just going to take it at face value. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to jump through the hoops. I'm going to read the book. I'm going to follow the steps. And, and that's, you know, that, that, and that's what happens. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's a, I mean, it's, Powerful stuff delivered by a group of folks that, that have got some, some powerful stories to share, some powerful lessons to share. And as you talked about, just the, the approach to, to share, uh, 
can begin to move the needle rather dramatically. I, I love the story there about uh, CEOs and realizing hey, that the team they've got is the team they can ride with if they allow that team to, to, to be th- themselves, right? It's so often Absolutely. that. Yeah, it's just taking advantage of what's there. Boo, this has been ju- just packed with with awesome nuggets and, and things to share. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story, uh, sharing a little bit about yourself and also just, just about all that you're doing to help businesses. Before I let you go, I want to learn just a little bit more about you as an individual. I've got five fast questions here for you. Um, coming out of Sydney, I don't know if you've uh, got a favorite sports team back home or if you've adopted a favorite sports team. We always like to know what is your favorite sports athlete or athlete. You can also go with an athlete. You got a favorite one? Uh, in uh, in Australia, we have a team called Manly Seagulls, where my son was a diehard supporter. And obviously, yep, yeah, I just landed in Miami at just the right time for the Dolphins. So, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're they're pretty solid as my team right now. <laughs> in the just beautiful, and might as well. I mean, hey, they're riding right now. It's, it's awesome. Uh, Boo, if you had uh, a final meal, the the, the last meal that, that you'd have, guilt free last meal, what would you what would you have? What's the favorite meal? Double pepperoni, double cheese pizza with a thin crust. Nice. Go all that beautiful. But do you have a dream vacation spot, some place that you'd like to get to or go back to? On a boat, blue water, no other people. Do you have a favorite rewatchable movie or uh, or TV show that you like to, to watch over and over again? I have ADHD, mate, so I don't do anything twice. <laughs> One and done, one and done. Right, you've seen it, done it, give me out of the night space. You're watching two movies at once? I hope you're not doing that yet. You know, you don't have a... No, no, I can't. I, I, okay. I can't do that. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. And then, Boo, last but not least, do you have a favorite uh, quote or a piece of advice that, that you like to share or something that, that helps anchor you in all that you're trying to get done? I never give up. It's uh, it, was, it was on my wall in my as a fighter pilot. The... Uh, ubiquitous stork trying to eat a frog and the frog with his uh, uh, hands around the stork's neck. Um, so to me, I think that's a, that's, that to me is, it really underpins everything. Um, as they say, you, you, you know, the only, the only time you're guaranteed to fail is the day is the day you stop. Yeah. Awesome. Where can folks find you? I always want to make, uh, give you a chance to, to share where folks can find you, check out what you're doing. What, what what's the, where do you want to send them? Sure. Afterbetter.com is, is our, as our fighter pilot universe and my, personal websites, callmeboo.com. Beautiful. Callmeboo.com, afterburner.com. Boo, this has been jam-packed with information. I greatly appreciate you carving out the afternoon there in Miami to join us. Uh, great to meet you. Great talking to you. And thanks for sharing all that you did. Pleasure, Scotty. Thanks for having me, mate. Take care. Thanks. All right. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye now. The Grow Your Damn Business Podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott hyphen Goodrich. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast.